Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cheese and pickle. Hello, this is Comfort Blanket and I'm Joel Morris. I'm going to be talking to someone who makes cool stuff that I like about some warm stuff that they like. This time I'm talking to the actor and writer Carrie Quinlan. Carrie's an old friend and an old friend of the show. She was the first recording we did for Comfort Blanket talking about It's a Wonderful Life. And she said for a long time she would like to come back on and talk about something that's very important to her, the character Spider-Man. And we originally planned to do this when the last Spider-Man movie came out. And then we all got busy, loads of work. Carrie was off on a tour with a play. And by the time she had time to come back to London and record this podcast, there was another Spider-Man movie out. So we're talking about that. We're talking about why we can tell this story again and again. Uh, And so we've done a podcast. It's slightly longer than usual, so I've split it into two parts. In the first part, we're going to talk about Spider-Man and the various versions of it and what it means to carry. And the second part, we'll sort of focus a bit more on the new Spider-Man movie. But this is Carrie Quinlan on Spider-Man. We're going to do another one of these. Yeah, we're you, going to have a nice chat about things. Yeah, we've been wanting to do this for ages. And you said that you would like to do a general subject yeah. that is very important to you. A very specific and broad subject. Yes, it's the whole of the world and one, just, just one name with a it's, hyphen in it. Yeah. <laughs> one hyphenated name. Someone with a hyphenated name, like Moby Dick and Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, or like just all really posh people. Yes, it's a double barrel name. We're going to talk name. about really posh Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Remember the hyphen, you otherwise have to it's not. The hyphen, otherwise, not a, it's a different thing. Yeah, who knows what what Spider Man is without a hyphen? Different I mean, character. Some, I, sometimes they get rid of the hyphen, don't they? I think. Oh, I like to put it always there. I like to have rules for these. Things. I don't know if if MCU Spider Man has a hyphen. We're going to find that there's two different copyrights running. Yeah. When it's with Sony, it's got the hyphen, and when it's with Marvel, it hasn't. There'll be something like that. Anyway, we're going to talk about Spider Man. Spider Man. Because you said that Spider Man was a massively important thing to you growing up. Yeah. And has been an ongoing comfort. Just the general idea of Spider-Man. Yeah, pretty much the general idea of Spider-Man. So it all comes from the fact that I am the youngest of four kids. And there is a gap 
between number three and me. Yeah. So, so my siblings were often out and about a lot when I was at home. Right. And they sort of went off to university when I was relatively young. Yeah. And so they left really interesting bedrooms that oh. I could nose around in. <laughs> Which I've, I, I, in fact, in in preparation for this, I've I've broken this news to my oldest brother <laughs> that I basically spent lots of time in his bedroom reading <laughs> comics and Dungeons and Dragons books, and possibly the reason that some of his records got right. scratched mysteriously was me. Peter, honey, can I come in? Uh, no. So you were like one of those people where they come back and think someone's living in the loft. Like Parasite. Pretty much. I was like, yes, yes. And, 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 you know, even though they didn't know I was doing that, I think that's pretty much how they saw me. Right. So, but yeah, my sister's room, I'd go and read Shakespeare. Yeah. And my brother's room, I'd go and read Spider-Man and the Avengers, because they were the fun ones. Which one is your favourite? Oh, gee, you know, that's almost like asking a parent who's his favourite child. I think I love them all. But maybe I like Spider-Man a little bit better. And maybe it's because he's just so popular. I have to like him, you know, because he's our best-selling character. So this wasn't something that you had picked up yourself. This is something you sort of inherited. It's like sort of yeah. you, you had an honorary access into a teenage boy's bedroom. That sounds awful, doesn't yeah. it? I wish I hadn't said that. That's yeah, that sounds absolutely dreadful. But it is interesting where this stuff comes from, because if it's passed down to you directly, handed down, that's one thing. If someone says, sit down and watch this movie. Mm. But if you've gone and found it yourself, or you've had to go out and scavenge for culture, which is what yeah. I had to do. Yeah. You've had to find it yourself, and it becomes more important. If someone gives it to you, you might like it, but it sort of was theirs. Yeah, sort of, sort of, but but again, while I have scavenged it, it's still not mine quite. Do you not feel you own this? You've had no, this all your life. Absolutely. What What's really interesting to to me, fingers crossed, listeners, is that the other thing I got from my brother was Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Because he had all the books, yeah. all the you know the lore and the stats and the numbers and all that kind of yeah. stuff, which I found absolutely fascinating, and. I was doing a job recently where there were various Dungeons and Dragons people and we were going to play Dungeons and Dragons. And I got in touch with my brother and said, you'll never guess what, I'm finally playing Dungeons and Dragons. And he texted back and said, I used to have all the books of Dungeons and Dragons, but I've never played. (gasps) And this image of my brother as Dungeons and Dragons guy shattered in front of me. Hey, Pete. MJ? Oh, I uh, think this is yours. Yeah, thanks. And you, I mean, you told me when you were approaching 40 that it was one of your ambitions was to play Dungeons and Dragons. It was a thing that sort of hung around with you. It was a thing you'd never done. Yeah. As if it belonged to your brother, so it wasn't yours. Yeah. And it could have been yours all this it time. It could have been mine all along. Shall we claim Spider-Man for you today? Totally. So it's yours. Yeah. He's never read Spider-Man. He doesn't know yeah. what it is. He's never he heard of yeah. it. Yeah, he can't even spell it. Yeah, it's not, it wasn't his bedroom. He says Spider-Man. He, yeah, exactly. Like, they said, like a Jewish family. Yeah. Yeah. The Spider-Mans are coming. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely family. <laughs> So this was the thing you found in someone else. You were exploring, like, in those video games where there's an abandoned house and you have to look for environmental clues. Yeah. Who lived here? You have to sort of click on everything. Yeah, what happened? You found all the clues, which were lies, apparently. There was a kid in your house who was really into sort of geeky nerd culture. Super nerdy. You're wandering around this room and you find the Dungeons & Dragons, the the lying Dungeons & Dragons. The Dungeons & Dragons lies. Someone pretending to like something that would get them bullied. What a stupid thing to do. Uh, (laughs) I used to hide mine. So you find this stuff, and in this stuff is a pile of Marvel comics. Yeah. So what do you think? Do, I mean, had you read comics before? I No, no. the first comics I read, I mean, apart from, you know, the, the, the Beano and things yeah. like that we had, but I don't put them in the same drawer. 
at all. Right. So what age are you here? Are you a teenager before teenage? Oh, pre-teenage. Right. So maybe eight. Amazing. Perfect time for this. Yeah. That's the great secret of Spider-Man is it's the really good one for little kids. Yeah. Little it's kids. For, because it's about slightly bigger kids in the yeah. way. So you read it in the same way that you, re- you read Smash Hits. And the, the fact that no 17-year-old read Just 17. Yes. You read Just 17 okay. when you were 13. Yes. It's, it's all about the slightly bigger kids who it, are really exciting. You're peeping around the corner of a bedroom, well, literally as you were, a bedroom door to say, <laughs> yeah. what, what's coming? What, yeah. what? So, and the fact that Spider-Man is very focused on teenage, he's the first teenage superhero. Yeah, which is crazy, isn't it? That must have immediately appealed. That, yeah, that, that hugely appealed. There were, there were two things that appealed. It's funny. So, yeah. Spider-Man's funny. Generally, superheroes aren't that funny. I only work in black and sometimes very, very dark grey. Yeah. The villains sometimes are and the, the superheroes yeah. aren't. Yeah, the, the, the heroes aren't allowed to be because funny is an evil thing. Laughing. Yeah, laughing. Laughing is what criminal masterminds do. It's not what the heroes do. The heroes have got to be Captain America and serious. In fact, there's a line in the new Spider-Verse mm. where the Peter Parker, schlub Peter Parker, tells off Big Oscar Isaac vampire boss Peter Parker for saying, why aren't you funny? Spider-Man's the funny one. Yeah. We're all funny. Why are you so serious? You know, you're the only Spider-Man who isn't funny. We're supposed to be funny. They say out loud the thing, which is Spider-Man's the funny one. So yeah, first yeah. Of, it's funny. It's funny. And there's a huge amount of guilt in it, <laughs> which, which for an eight-year-old Catholic closet homosexual was was really helpful, it turns out. I've only realised this in the last couple of days when I've been thinking about doing this, that actually the guilt was really... Because Amazing. the the weight on Spider Man is huge. The whole the Uncle Ben yeah. weight is enormous and too much for a sixteen year old to bear. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Penguin have published a classics edition, like you would have of uh, Dombey and Son, like a lovely black spined paperback of the original Spider-Man. I'm assuming for media students, because now it's a thing you have to talk about. Oh, so possibly, it'll yeah. be a set text thing. And they've actually published, so you can read the original Spider-Man and how it came out. And the thing that's incredible about Spider-Man is it's about this thing, a fantasy. It is a fantasy of suddenly having power. You're beaten up, you're a mm. nerd. Peter Parker is beaten up. And he gets this enormous power. And that first episode, that first 11-page story that gives you Spider-Man, ends with him walking off with his shoulders down with that caption, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. He's done everything wrong. It doesn't end with him leaping up and swinging through the streets of Manhattan. It ends up with him going, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. And this it's a is thing awful. for eight year olds to read about. Do you know when you grow up, you're going to have loads and loads of responsibilities <laughs> and you're going to be sorry for everything. Yeah. Stop lecturing me, please. Which yeah. is great. <laughs> everything you're wishing for right now is rubbish. Yeah. Dangerous and rubbish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're going to feel horrible. Right, so all you, the time. You read that in it. So Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, who sort of are the founders of the beginning of Marvel, what they they come up with is this idea that your superheroes should be interesting. We tried to make our characters have feet of clay. So they yeah. come up with the Fantastic Four, which is a bickering family, and then the next thing, next big thing they do that's a huge revolution is Spider-Man, which is what if it's a teenager and what if he's sorry and guilty yeah. and broken and anxious and nerdy. And nervous. It is. Yeah, they should be interesting, but they should also be ordinary. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, Spider-Man, that's another thing, that Spider-Man's actually really ordinary. Now, poor Spider-Man 
I mean, okay, he's pretty good at catching bad guys, but he's apt to get an allergy attack while he's fighting. He <laughs> worries about dandruff. He'll have an ingrown toenail, tears his costume. His Aunt May won't let him go out to save the world because he's not wearing his galoshes and it's snowing out. And the funny thing is, I started doing that as a gag and really to keep myself awake, you know. And, and I found that the readers are as crazy as I am. They started enjoying this sort of thing. The other great thing about, I love about Spider-Man, and I always did, was that everyone gets their powers by being interested. Yes. It's the Hulk as well, I guess. But it's all experiments gone wrong. Curiosity. It's all, it's all yeah, exactly. It, it's not, I'm terribly rich, look at my gadgets. It's yeah. not, I'm part of a, an army serum experiment. Yeah. It's... I'm, I'm interested in things, so I, I'm in this place where, oh, and it's got a bit wrong. It's a very 1950s, early 60s thing. It's a very post-Manhattan Project thing. Yeah. It's very Oppenheimer. It's I Am Become Death, the Destroyer of Worlds. You look at the thing you found out through your curiosity, and it might destroy you or destroy the people around you. Yeah. These smart arms are controlled by my brain through a neural link. There's a thing in mythic literature where, speaking as a mythic literature nerd from college, where very often someone gets powers, they become king or they become a giant or they're super strong. And the first thing they do is wrestle a dragon, wrestle a worm, wrestle a giant. And that represents huge, unfettered, usually masculine power. You could hurt people. And it's a way of telling a story that says, if you become king and we give you power, you could torch a village. Yeah. And the first thing you learn is to be on the right side. and You destroy the side of you that could cause damage. You kill your dark side and it's usually a dragon or a lizard or something. Every other superhero just gets their powers and then stands on a tall building and goes, I shall stop all the criminals. I shall fight for truth, justice, and the American way. Spider-Man gets powers and immediately does all the wrong things with it, which you would do yeah. if you were a young nerd who suddenly got super, super buff. That's weird. My pants shrink. I think I hit puberty. And could do amazing things. What happens if you suddenly could do anything? Maybe there'd be a moral question. Other superheroes have certainty. Yes. And Spider-Man doesn't have certainty. If you don't know the origin story of Spider-Man, Peter Parker nerdy schoolboy is bitten by a radioactive spider and that gives him the powers of a spider. Any better this morning? Any change? Change? Yeah. Big change. But the major pivot for yeah. him is that when he gets his powers, he becomes he's extremely selfish about them. Yeah. So he witnesses a robbery, has an opportunity to stop the robber, but he doesn't bother stopping this robber. What the hell's the matter with you? You let him go! The robber then gets tackled coincidentally by Peter Parker's Uncle Ben and kills him. So inadvertently, yeah. Peter Parker is responsible for the death of his uncle. The first opportunity he gets, he goes, no, the world has not been arranged for me so far. I'm selfish now. Everyone else had an easy ride. Why should I get involved in this? He decides yeah. to step back. You could have taken that guy apart. Now he's going to get away with my money. I missed the part where that's my problem. He lets the guy go past and it's beautifully set up that he eventually unmasks the robber later on and it's the guy he let go. Yeah. There's one other thing. He has a star tattooed on his left hand. And it's so well stated. It's in the first ever comic. It's restated again every time they make a film of this or a cartoon of this. What's with you, mister? All you had to do was strip him or hold him for a minute. Hey, sorry, pal. That's your job. I'm through being pushed around. From now on, I just look out for number one. Me. That story, which is way better than Bruce Wayne's parents being gunned down in an alley. Completely. Because it has sophistication and intent and character. Honestly, it is a an absolute masterclass if you are a, want to study writing. Watch how the audience is led through 
Peter Parker's guilt in that. Yeah. It's done in about six pages and it will teach you everything about how to write a gripping story. It is brilliant storytelling because you know what he should have done. You understand why he didn't do it. And then you understand now why that's the worst thing that's ever happened to him. I'm responsible. For what? For what happened to Uncle Ben. And it will be, if you read it as a small kid, one of the most sophisticated stories you've ever read till that point. Yeah, and it's one of those things that all the stories that you read as a child, most children's books don't have parents in them. Yes. You know, either kids have been sent away or parents have died. This is the one where he is responsible for the death of his father figure. Yes. So they've got rid of the father figure, which you you know, you have to do in these yeah, things. Yeah, it's a fairy tale. Yeah. And, but he is responsible for it. Yeah. And that colours pretty much everything else he then goes on to do. But the other thing he does when he gets his powers is decides that he can use it to make loads of money by yeah. basically becoming a Mexican wrestler. Yeah. Which is where the Spider-Man costume comes from. The sum of $3,000 will be paid to the terrifying, the deadly, the amazing Spider-Man. The superhero costumes are wrestling costumes. Yeah, completely. I, I, someone said this and it's overt and it's so overt in Spider-Man it's great because you see him he gets into a wrestling ring and he's got the thing the reason he looks like that there's a terrific Michael Chabon essay Chabon if you want to essay on the superhero costume the guy who wrote Cavalier and Clay brilliant musing on mm. the essence of the superhero myth and Jewish culture in, a, in a American literature it's very very good he wrote a really good essay which you can find online about the superhero costume saying it makes no sense one of the great things about superhero costumes is when they try and do them for films, they look awful. They will always look awful. They're always baggy. They're completely impractical. Spandex. Spandex. Everything. Spandex. They are designed for two reasons. One, to literally just be a second skin and to be great to draw. Yeah. And the other reason is to echo wrestling outfits. Right. Because that's who they are. And I think one of the things that's misunderstood about American culture, you don't understand how Donald Trump got to be president. America is mainly based on wrestling. of American culture is basically wrestling. My name's the human spider. I don't care, get out. No, he got my name wrong. Get out there, you moron. People bad-mouthing each other and then fighting one at a time. Well, yeah, and and most of wrestling is about not wrestling. Yeah. It's the trash talk. It's trash talk and a dance. Yeah. And I think one of the things I noticed as well, if you watch a lot of Marvel films, we watch a lot of Marvel films. One of the things I noticed in lockdown, actually, because I was reading a lot of comics, is the art of the splash page. And the splash page is... You do your normal frames. Oh, I got this. Okay, I don't got this. Help, somebody help. Hey, Queens. Heads up. Got nine frame grid and then occasionally a big splash with someone will walk in. Hang on, I got you, kid. Very often you'll turn the page. What the hell is this? Friday, what are they firing at? Something just entered the upper atmosphere. And someone will, there'll be a full page of some new superhero has arrived, a new supervillain, the smoke clears. Watch Marvel films, they're all directed like that. Yeah. And what it is, it's tag team wrestling. Dampers, we need an assist here. What happens is that someone's usually being pounded on the ground and then someone goes, what the? As they're (laughs) they're whipped out of the shot. And then someone steps in out of the smoke and goes, looking for me? And that is the plot of all superhero films is you turn the page, who is it? And it's like kids playing with a toy. Which toy have you put on the floor now? Oh, it's this toy. You've been to the toy box and you've got it out of the That's why superhero team-ups work. It's usually, oh, I thought that guy was dead. Wasn't he from the other comic? And one of the great achievements of the Marvel Universe is they're the first comics where people from one strip would turn up in another strip. They invented a city where a all these superheroes universe. were yeah. running around at the same time. And so as a kid, you got into this big thing. You could collect them all. And that 
strip, that strip trope of the splash page, who's coming in is tag team wrestling. Absolutely. Which superhero joins the fight next. It's a huge cultural trick that we haven't noticed we've absorbed. But when you notice how much wrestling is in in superheroes. Anyway, Spider-Man is dressed as a wrestler. And that is a terrific thing. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's an extraordinary thing that with superheroes that in order to protect their anonymity... They go for the brightest colour spandex yes. they can possibly find. No one dresses in a dirty old tracksuit yeah. with their head down. Yeah. It's all bright red, bright blue. What's strange about superheroes and their secret identities is that their secret identities are unremarkable. Clark Kent, yep. Peter Parker, they're the people who are overlooked. So the joke is they're already hiding. No one can see them. Mm. The setup of Spider-Man is that Flash Thompson's the guy all the girls want to go out with, and Peter Parker cannot even be seen. So they start off as invisible. Yeah. And their secret identities are actually their human identities. Yes. Right. Uh, it's really where they go, no one must know I'm Spider-Man. They go, well, really, everyone knows Spider-Man. <laughs> what they mustn't know is that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. It's the other yeah. way around. They are overlooked. And then the fantasy of a kid growing up is, this superhero myth is across everything, not just superhero comics. It's Harry Potter. Someone touches you and says, you're a wizard. You're a princess. You are bigger than they knew. It's a miracle ordained by heaven. This boy is our king. You're a wizard, Harry. You cannot escape your destiny. You are the chosen one! There is yet one hope. The special. He is the one. They didn't know what was inside you, that there was something bigger, yeah, that it's your magic. Your, it's your dream life is real. That's yes. why it's, you know, by day yeah. and by night. Yeah, that's totally. why all the superhero stuff is by night, because that's when your dream happens. Yeah. And in your dream, you are everything you think you could be. Yeah, there's an enormous amount in common with where the wild things are. Yeah. Max dresses up as a wolf and has a savage dream night where, where he had total power. And they were frightened and called him the most wild thing of all and made him king of all wild things. One of the things that's misunderstood about superhero comics by people who think that they mean nothing is they are teenage power fantasies. Yeah. You are impotent and ignored. Most children are told where to go and what to do. Their lives are very regimented. They have no power. Mm. We're reading a book about why kids play with guns once the psychology of it is. And kids are never... That sounds fun. Kid, oh, you have a kid and you read those books. <laughs> you do not have a gunny kid. I have a very gunny kid. 
<laughs> and I want to know whether it was okay to buy guns. So I read a couple of books by psychologists about right. it. And the idea is what a gun is, is a remote control to say, leave me alone. You point it at someone Ooh. and you go, kids don't get to say no. Where the Wild Things Are tells you that kids are desperate to say no. No! I have yeah. no agency. And what kids do, they point at you, magic finger, yep. and they go, expelliarmus, or they go, web, or they go, bang, you're dead, or they go, only happened once in Disney, they worked out, girls wanted to do it too, they go, frozen. <laughs> why do you shut me out? What, why do you shut the world out? What are you so afraid of? I said, enough! Why they've not had thousands and thousands of girls who can fire things since then, I don't know. Frozen was a hit because a girl went zap and yeah. shut people up. Kids want That's you why to the shut power up. was a huge book. Yeah. They don't want to punch people. You want someone at a distance to just turn off. And there's a great thing in this book on the psychology of guns that said America is a country that's never got to the point where they realise that you can't just point a gun at people and turn them off if you disagree with them. It's still in its adolescence. What most functioning adolescents do is get to a point where they, they suddenly become aware of death and they're aware of what the gun does, where you realise that the person you've turned off was a real person, was not a non-player character. And isn't coming back. And one of the dangerous things yeah. to do is to arrest someone on that stage via, I don't know, excessive use of video games or being an American in yeah. thinking that when they disagree with someone, you can just turn them off. And it's an important point in your upbringing to realise that you have responsibility. And again, we return to Spider-Man. It's an incredibly adult thing to say, if you had the power to turn people off, the other thing you'd have to do to grow up is to realise that you mustn't do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And that, um, yeah, great power comes... Great responsibility. What and a the, line. What a line. <laughs> and the responsibility is, again, he's responsible for the death of his Uncle Ben. Yeah. So with great power comes great responsibility. Really fucked it up. And with great responsibility comes great guilt. Hurrah! Yay! <laughs> and now it's Carrie's favourite thing. Hooray! <laughs> yeah. And even if you don't have any responsibility whatsoever, you can still feel guilty, it turns out. Well, um, that's, that's the big Catholic message. Yeah, isn't You it? pick that one up. Lovely. Do you know, I was, I was reading something recently, and I found this really interesting, that about the difference between guilt and shame. Right. That guilt is internal, and shame is imposed from Ooh. an outside source. So actually, so Spider-Man feels guilt, yeah. because it, it's internal, and he's, you know, and he's right, he's done the wrong thing. But Catholic guilt is actually Catholic shame. Oh, the other Catholics will judge you. Yeah, well, God will judge you. Oh, of course, it's externalised. Yeah. So it's not guilt at all in Catholicism. It's, it's all shame. Who is Spider-Man? He's a criminal, that's who he is. Actually, that's an interesting thing in Spider-Man, because Spider-Man has, again, one of the lovely setups that happens straight away, really early, and they get this right. Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, who sort of put this thing together originally, come up with this and they get it completely right, which is that he's not only guilty inside, there is a voice outside, which is J. Jonah Jameson of the Daily Bugle saying, Spider-Man is a menace. Yeah. There's a local newspaper man who wants to prove that Spider-Man is causing all this crime wave, is, is the problem. A vigilante, a public menace. What's he doing on my front page? There's a voice in his head saying, I've done something wrong. And a voice outside, outside his head, it. which yeah. is a shame. But Spider-Man knows the shame is wrong. He yeah. goes, I, I'm going to clear my name. You're being unfair. And it's lovely. It's a kid. I remember reading that going, yeah, I know he's being unfair because Spider-Man's a hero. But it's a really clever way of removing that shame. You know he's not feeling any shame. He's feeling guilt. Yeah. For me, it was my Uncle Ben. For me, it was my Uncle Benjamin. For me, it was my father. For me, it was my best friend. Miles, the hardest thing about this job is you can't always save everybody. Like it was my fault. You wouldn't understand. Miles, we're probably the only ones who do understand. 
Absolutely, it is. It is. It is completely. And that. And I wonder if that allows him to be funny because the the great, yeah. the brilliant thing with Spider Man, and it didn't always work in the comics, and it didn't always work in the films. I would argue that the films it works in are the Andrew Garfield Spider Man, Spider Men, Spiders Men, Spiders Men's. <laughs> that. There's a slight disconnect between Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Spider-Man is the absolute king of the superhero quip. Do you ever shut up? Sorry, no. My fans expect a certain amount of quippage in every battle. Yeah, he's flipping and quipping all the time. Yeah. His verbal dexterity matches his physical gymnastics. He's always fast. He's always leaping out of the way with a pun or a trick or a gag. Yeah, he's quick in every possible sense, but in a way that is incredibly charming. I think it's a confidence of youth thing in the way that Iron Man is rich prick. Yeah, actually. And also you've got that brilliant thing, which is the the dream. And we're talking about, as Michael Chabon talks about a lot, the Jewish superhero thing, as in how do you get out of trouble with your bullies? Quick wit. Absolutely. And that Jewish New York sense of humor, that stand-up sense of humor, that's Spider-Man. Spider-Man, actually. Look, you know Woody Allen. I mean, you know he's for real. Well, I always thought if Woody Allen were a superhero, he'd be Spider-Man. You see? But it's because he's bullied. Yeah. And But he doesn't do that when he's being bullied. The great thing is when yeah. he's being bullied, he doesn't come back with a fast line at school when he's Peter Parker. His fast lines come when he pulls the mask on. He pulls the mask on and suddenly, I never thought about this before, he mm. becomes this incredibly quick-witted New York Jewish comic on a web. It's like, <laughs> it, it's, it's like he's, Spider-Man has personified his esprit d'escalier. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I, I saw, yeah. So Peter Parker never, never has the right thing to say when he's being bullied. It never has the right thing to say if the baddie is a kid in his class or the year above yeah. his flash, but always knows the right thing to say when actually it is life and death. Yeah, it's and the he's, dream. He's, he's up against the Green Goblin or yeah, Doc gives... Ock or whoever. But this could be so much more rewarding if we connected on an emotional level. It gives him the confidence to be that. And there's a, there's a really interesting thing with Spider-Man where the relationship, again, between the superhero and the secret identity. The superhero secret identity is one of the best things about superheroes. Yeah. That's why you never want that one where they say, we're going to reveal a secret identity. That's why I keep turning it off when it happens in things. If anyone finds out who he is, you have to turn it off again. Because yeah. the fun thing is that tension. No one knows I'm great is what kids want. It's why Captain America's a bit boring. He hasn't got a normal life Yeah, and weirdly, Captain America, of course, is the high school bullied nebbish who becomes pumped up and he's exactly the Peter Parker model. Yeah. But they don't do that with him. What's interesting about Peter Parker is that costume goes on, it's skin tight. It's, there's no wings, there's no cape. It is literally him in the new. And it's a no on the cape. I think it's cool. Take that off, it's ah! disrespectful. <laughs> Spider-Man doesn't wear a cape. Ah. It is, he says as well, he says, I've made it from a material. In the very first comic, I've made it from a material that is thin enough to wear under my, my normal clothes. Yeah. So he doesn't go into a phone booth. He doesn't have to spin around. He can literally just pull the hood up. And they do it brilliantly with Miles Morales. It's just part of his street it's, outfit. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's yeah. him. It's as if it's underneath the clothes is this essence of a witty, gymnastic, capable person yeah. that he will blossom. There's a butterfly inside the caterpillar. That is who he is. The really interesting thing about Peter Parker and Spider-Man's two identities is they are the same guy. Yeah. As in he doesn't get visibly bigger. He doesn't put on a helmet or a suit or get a gun. He strips down and underneath Peter Parker is the person he'd be if he wasn't so worried. Yeah, he's taking armour off. Yeah. In a way that 
Yeah. Others, Iron Man's putting it on. Yeah. Batman's putting it on. The nakedness of him, the vulnerability, the fact that he has to be fast and agile. And a spider, the first thing he does to the spider that bites him is he squashes it in his hand. Yeah. He could be, they always, the villains like, I'll squash you like a bug. A spider's yeah. not a rhino. A spider is really vulnerable and he turns into a little bug and he, and he has to move fast and his brain has to move fast. But the difference between the two of them is seamless. It's not even the glasses on, glasses off Clark Kent thing. They're the same guy. You look at that guy leaping around. And when he talks and he's nervous and he's anxious and he's worried about his exam books and getting back in time for Aunt May, yeah. you're really aware that inside that suit and outside the suit, that's the same it's kid. It's the same, yeah. And I think the, the highest and best iteration of that is what they've done with Miles Morales. With uh, the new yeah. Spider-Man, I think that and the Andrew Garfield are the best cinema versions where you go, that's the same kid. Absolutely, Actually, yeah. Tom Holland's pretty good. That's the same Tom, kid. Yeah, Tom Holland, Tom Holland is good. It's interesting how he's, he's very... Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man rather than comic. Andrew Garfield is is the comic book Spider-Man, I think. Freeze! You and the Titans don't move! You serious? Who are you? No one seems to grasp the concept of the mask. Freeze! I just did 80% of your job. Huh? That's how you repay me? One of the many things that's interesting with the Tom Holland Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man is that they've taken away lots of the standard... The standard stuff, yeah, with Spider-Man. So with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, they you you have the Uncle Ben, yeah, stuff, yeah. which you don't. Tom Holland doesn't even mention Uncle Ben. Yes, his his mentor is Tony Stark. He's given yeah. Iron Man as a dad. He's given a different dad. So you're the Spider-ling, crime-fighting Spider. You're Spider Boy. Spider-Man. Not in that onesie, you're not. Aunt May is the key. Is the Spoilers yeah. is the key death yeah. for him. And it comes two and a half movies in. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very, very long origin kind yeah, of story. They don't for him. do his classic story. They don't they don't do the classic story. They don't do the beginning. He's not Peter Parker in his in his spare time is a sort of cub photographer. Yeah, yeah. For the local newspaper, for J. Jonah Jameson, yeah. who hates Spider-Man but wants all these pictures of him, and Peter's the only person who can get all these pictures because he's Spider-Man. Such a good gag. Great. It's fantastic. Well, I saw another another couple of photos of the bugle, so that ought to help. Yeah, it would really help if that guy would pay you a fair wage. Well, Jameson, no, Jameson pays, pays me a fair wage. If it was 1961, he paid me a fair wage. But there's none of that with Tom Holland. Yeah. So there's actually not much Spider-Man in... In the MCU In the MCU. He's just there to be part of the gang. And this brings us, I think, really interestingly, to the newest version of Spider-Man that's come out. The Spider-Verse. Well, they've started playing with the Spider-Verse. And this idea that there are a million Hugh Everett Infinite Worlds Spider-Men. And the new one, the newest one across the Spider-Verse, is all about how when this story is told, there are certain elements that always have to be in it. Yeah. And will always be in it because of that first 11 pages is so good that you're going to keep retelling it. Because it always works. That's the end of part one. Uh, tomorrow, probably, oh, in a day or so, we'll put up part two and you can hear the rest of our chat about Spider-Man. Took you long enough. What's up, Danger? What's up, Danger? Comfort Blanket was presented and produced by Joel Morris for the Cheese and Pickle family of podcasts. Find us on social media and don't forget to like and subscribe.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 